Hello and welcome to episode 41 of... Oh no, sorry, I, I've just got the number 4 one in my head. Sorry, it's episode 23 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. We're in a very celebratory mood today. Haven't used this phrase for a while, but we're cock-a-hoop here. Whatever we, that means. <laughs> lots of hoops on your things. Oh, okay. Chickens. Fantastic victory for the Whitecaps last night is what's got us this way. So I'm your excited host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Steve Pander. Who is normally even-keeled whether we win or lose. True. He's even kept his shoes on tonight, so he, he's not getting carried away yet. It's maybe a, a little bit hard, though, not to get carried away, because... What can you say? That was one hell of a phenomenal performance. I, I, I don't think anybody could have predicted that that result. I, like People could have said maybe we'll win 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that, but a 4-1 drubbing, the way they, they took the way they took it to them and finished, and wow, the emergence of Kakuta Mane, where was that all year? Yeah, I, I, after the game, one of the questions I was wanting to ask, but I never really got a chance to ask it because other things had cropped up, was... When Martin Rennie went to bed the, the night before, is that how he dreamed it was going to play out? Or was that even beyond his dreams to, to have a performance like I was that? thinking, he, I, I, the way Martin Rennie speaks and everything, I was thinking he was just probably hoping that Kakuta does something, doesn't do anything that messes the game up or something like that. He plays a mistake-free game. I think that's essentially what, what he was hoping for. And I don't think he could have imagined what Kakuta was capable of in that one. Well, he, he said in the lead-up to the game... I think it was on Whitecaps Daily on Monday, that you never really know what you're, what you're going to get from Kakuta Mani. Yeah. And then he said after the game that he had been joking earlier in the week that you never know what you're get, going to get from an 18-year-old. Yeah. But I think that performance caught him caught him by surprise. Oh, I, sure I don't think he was expecting that at all. I don't think anybody could have expected that. I, no, no, I don't. You, anybody could talk about hindsight or whatever like that, but I don't think anybody would have accepted that, expected that. So before we look at some individual player performances, let's just let's look at the game. Let's look at the goals. So we we had a chance to to rewatch it this morning. First thing we have to mention is before any of the goals, David Eisted came up huge with a, a big save from Lamar Nagel. Big save. Uh, the the uh, they had gone out for a throw in, and both Lee and Mitchell were kind of arguing that. It should have been a Whitecaps throw in. Uh, intelligently, the I think it was Estrada took the throw in quickly. Nagel made a quick run behind Mitchell and got in for free on a free run to Oosted, but Oosted came up big and, and challenged him on that one. When we'd seen that, and then later on the shot that Nagel had that Oosted tipped over when it was when it was 1-0, I was starting to think, oh, Nagel's going to have this game that he had back in June where he just really tore into the white caps. But that save from Oosted, can't say it's a game-changer in, in the 11th minute, but if, if he hadn't stood tall there and Nagel had scored... That would have been a long road back for the Whitecaps. Yeah, because I think essentially the Seattle was just... Because what they've done is when they have won games, they've been close games. Yeah. And that's why their goal differential is not that great, even but, though they've won so many games. But the games. other thing as well... So we were looking through the stat sheets before the game started, and one of the amazing stats was when Seattle score first at the clink, they have gone 48 games unbeaten. Wow. So... It, Vancouver were highly unlikely to get back for the win that they needed. Because they shut it down and yeah. basically uh, shore up the midfield. You, you, it's basically hard to break them down once they get up ahead. And that's why that big that Ulster save was huge for them. After the game, Manny had said that they were lucky to get the win. And I thought, that's, a, that's maybe a little bit harsh. How can you say lucky? Is he just really 
not want to play up what a good performance he had and what a good team performance he had. But when you when you look at the goals again, there was a lot of element of luck on the white cap side. Not in the finishing, which was excellent, but some terrible defending and some terrible goalkeeping. And that that was from the very first very first goal. Yeah, the first goal it was uh, it was I think it was hoofed up by Watson um, from the midfield. Yep. And then um, who was it? That, I think it was Hurtado. Hurtado. Hurtado headed it back to Kobayashi. And then Kobayashi, um, Kobayashi cut it out and brilliant header to brilliant set Mario. Yeah, it was. It, it didn't even take a thought. It was a perfect play to do. Like most people might take it down, take a touch, and then pass it up. But he immediately headed it forward, seeing that Torre. And we played on that. Now we played on that turf, and we know how it is. When Torre, uh, no, sorry, Hurtado. I apologize. Hurtado headed that ball forward. He basically stopped in the artificial turf. That he stopped dead, and you—it's hard for to make uh, lateral movements or around, uh, make quick turns on there. And yeah, I, I think my performance in the media match where I fell over certain times because I just couldn't get my legs to move. Yeah, it's testament that was to that, that. that was testament to that. So basically, that, that's my excuse for that. So Mane basically uh, kept tight in with Hurtado, but was facing towards the goal while Hurtado was facing opposite, and that, and Kobayashi smartly. Headed the ball forward and Mane made a great finish. And you were saying that Gersperning might have been able to get it. But oh, I, I, I think he should have. I mean, he, he got his arm in it. Yeah. He should have stopped that. If, if that was the opposite and that was Seattle scoring on Eisted or Knighton, I would have been so critical because a keeper needs to make a stop there. Yeah. And I, I don't know what Especially happened. Especially early in the match like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if he just overcommitted himself, went down too early. But hey, you take it. But above all else, it was the first of many really cool and calm finishes from Manny on the night, where for an 18-year-old, he showed amazing composure, didn't let the occasion get to him, kept his head and did what he needed to do, put it past the keeper and, and into the net. And that, that was 1-0. Then Seattle had a, a little bit of a burst where they tried to come back at the White Caps, but the, the White Caps were kind of holding firm. We were saying, you just had the feeling that the defence was, it was breaking, it was breaking, and that the Seattle equaliser was going to come any minute. But it didn't, and to their credit, the Caps went up the field totally unexpectedly and, and made it 2-0. And that was the play just before the half where Martins gave up the ball uh, cheaply. Like, I don't know if he he was out of, uh, you know, off balance or whatever when the ball came up to him. But Lee took that ball and he could Lee could have made that simple pass to Rio Coker on the end. But he I think he saw when Rio Coker moved to the sideline that it opened up a channel to get it right up to Camilo. And that was a brilliant pass up there. And then Camilo with a fantastic, uh, quick, no-look pass, basically, to Manny. The, the, the thing with Camilo is he's been criticised a lot, not just this season, but in his whole time with the Whitecaps, as being a selfish player and not making the passes. But that showed last night that if he's playing up front or alongside a player that he's confident can actually do the business and score, he'll make those passes. And there's been times this season where he has made passes to people and they've wasted it, like Rio Coca the, the other week against Salt Lake. But it, I think if Camilo is really confident in a player like he is in Manny, he'll make those lovely little flicks. And that, that was just that was brilliant skill. And Camilo deserves as much credit for that goal, for that flick and setup as Manny does for burying it. Yeah, and he's he's made passes. When he plays with Miller, I know he makes passes then. He, he yeah. does distribute the ball there. I, I guess it is like when you're in a certain position, you want to go for the shot. And that's what a striker's mentality is. But on that play, he he dragged uh, Manny's mark over with him because uh, Torre had way, moved way up top. It was almost similar to 
the RSL goal against us. And it was basically a, a 2v1 and, and he made a great pass and there was luckily nobody covering uh, covering in the Yedlin, the young 18-year-old right back. He, he never came in and covered for in the centrally for his defenders. Now that assist was Camillo's sixth of the season, which is joint second on the team, two behind Russell Tiber at eight and he's tied with YP Lee. So for a player that's apparently selfish and doesn't make the passes, to have six assists on the season, as well as his, his phenomenal 18 goals... That's like MVP quality for any team, but also possibly for, for MLS. I think so. I think he's going to be right up there with DeVaio and um, McGee up with the, in, in the MVP stats. Now he didn't get on the score sheet last night, but Manny grabbed his hat-trick in the, in the second half. Uh, what did you make of the third goal? Another blunder from Spurning, in, in my view. You should never be beaten through the legs like that as a keeper. Well, uh, it was a great, uh, again, once again, Leo started the playoff, got the ball into uh, Kakura, who dropped it off for Kobayashi. Kobayashi, luckily for him, uh, Andy Rose was there, and he had a little bit of a poor touch on it, but he got it back, and he was able to get the ball right into Mane, and it was, and again, a great finish once again. Oh, yeah, outside of his foot, through the legs of the keeper. I, I mean, y- you can't teach kids skill like that it's like it's ingrained in them to, to go and play like that and it was just another really cool calm collected finish now the thing is is the question is did Manny notice uh, I think it was uh, on I don't know which of the center backs it was one of the center backs was up high and one of them had dropped way behind the back line and that's what meant cut Manny off on side uh, do you think that would have been do you think he saw that or do you think he was just like lucky in that case Hard to say, I think he probably did see it. He was so in the zone last night. And then he was taken off not long after getting getting his hat-trick. And when he was asked after the game if he had stayed on, did, did he think he could get a couple more goals? And I loved his comment. He, It was confidence without being arrogant. But he just said, I feel if I'd stayed on, I'd have had one or a couple more. And you know, I think he would because he, he highlighted the amount of space he had out there. So he was very aware of what was going on during the game. Now, 3-0, you think you can relax, but you just never know when you're playing Seattle down there. And they really piled the pressure on. And then they, they got the goal back. There was a bit of a goal-mouth scramble, and Rosales ended up drawing at home from about 10 yards out. Defensive blunders on the Whitecaps part there, or just some really good attacking play by the Sounders? I think it was a little bit of both, but um, I think... At that time, the Sounders were really pouring it on, and I think they got the Whitecaps got a little bit out of their formation and out of their shape and everything like that. Watson got tucked in a little bit too deep, same as Harvey. So it was one of their probably a uh, small little glitch and whatever. What was actually a very good performance by them uh, defensively against Rosales and Yedlin. And then after that, Seattle really, really turned the heat up and. Eisted had to be quick again to come up with a really good save. Off Yedlin once again. Yep, yeah. Yedlin was just slipped through. And if Yedlin had buried that to make it 3-2, totally I, I really, I would have feared, I think, for the Whitecaps. Yeah, because then I think the, the the confidence, you know, for every team it's a little shaky when, when you're giving up, when you're up 3 nothing. all of a sudden they come within one. With still, I think it was still 15 minutes to go at that point. Yeah, and so I mean, football is a game of such fine margins and... Everyone says, oh, we're unlucky in this, or we were cheated in that. And it's like, it, it does, it's an old cliche, but it does level itself out over the course of the season. We've had games where we were unlucky, 
last night's game, we had a lot of luck, a lot of skill as well, but we, we rode our luck a little bit and we got out. But if that had gone to 3-2, I'm really not sure what would have happened. I I don't even know if I could have watched the last 15 minutes. It would have been nerve-wracking stuff. For sure, yeah. And and I think, uh, luckily for them, Rio Coker scores that his first goal of the season after, quickly after that. Uh, how did that yeah, look? I, as he said, after the game, um, he envisioned it going into the top corner, and to him that's exactly what it did. But you you noticed something watching the the replay of the goal there? Yeah, it was the it was the close up replay. Um, Alonso was alongside him, and what I noticed was that Alonso gave him a, a shove just as he was shooting it, and the shot. I don't think he got a full foot on it, or, or like a, he got partially foot on it, skimmed it a little bit, and I think because of that, it dipped down really quickly under Gersperning's uh, hands. I think it's pretty based on the way he was expecting the shot to be go up high, like like Rio Coker was saying it's going to go a top corner. I think maybe Rio Coker was trying to hit the top corner, and because of that off balance shot, it maybe dipped a little bit and went through the legs. But I honestly, that still should have been a stop by Gasperi. Yeah, I mean he had a mare last night, and when when it's in the, such a tough end of the season, and when you really need your keepers to come up big, he just failed. And we had Eisted last night who did come up big. And there's been comments in some of the articles recently on AFTN with people saying, oh, Eisted's not a quality keeper, Knighton should be in. And I don't know whether that's just some of Brad Knighton's family posting or what, but I, I just don't see how anyone can think Knighton's a better keeper than Eisted. Not, not based on the performance. And we've always mentioned that Knighton gets stuck on the line too much. The couple of plays that were the big saves were off Yedlin and um, off Nagel early and Yedlin late. Those were two times where Osted really challenged and got in front of the shot and basically cut off the angle. We don't know if Knighton would have done that. He did do that against Seattle in that one game where he had one of his best games ever. But he wasn't doing that on a regular basis. So it was a 4-1 final. I, I don't know what he would have got better odds on last night. We have got higher odds on Vancouver scoring four goals in Seattle. Or Nigel Rio Coker scoring? Neither. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what you would have got better odds on. The, 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 I saw you tweet that out yesterday. I, yeah. I was stumped when you tweeted that. I, I, I tweeted out as well that it's like if, if Hurtado then scores for us, I know that this is just a dream and uh, I'm going to wake up at some point soon. And then Hurtado put the ball in the net and I was like, this has become surreal. And it was ruled very, very fractionally offside. I personally, when I saw it, I didn't even think... I thought it was onside. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, and I need to see another angle. I think his shoulder... Because he has got quite big shoulders. I yes. Think, yeah. Uh, I think someone described him last night that the Caps are playing at the moment with one goalkeeper, nine outfield players, and a running back. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I thought it was onside. Uh, but And it would have been nice for him to score that goal if he if he did get it. But we don't know because Sprinting might have actually been able to make a save for once. It was a fantastic victory. Before we look at some of the individual player performances, let's hear a little bit of post-game audio. Some of the noises post-game audio you're probably going to hear, it was like you'd have been probably quieter recording it in one of the car parks. There was just so much going on uh, outside the, the Caps locker room. And obviously there was a lot of excitement as well. So we're going to hear a bit of audio from Nigel Rio Coker, Kikutamani, Martin Rennie. Well, you know, what a phenomenal game, a night for uh, Vancouver Whitecaps fans to remember for a very long time and um, 
you know, I think we played played a great game tonight. We played some great stuff, kept good possession of the ball, moved the ball well in a in a tough environment to come to um, against our biggest rival and. You know, really proud of the players. They worked extremely hard and, and took their chances when they came along. Did you feel that one coming today? Uh, you know, did you have a sense that? I was hoping. Yeah, I was <laughs> hoping so. Um, we needed that tonight, but yeah, these players. You know, I don't think people really believe in them as, as much as they, they should. And I think the most important thing is the play, players are really believing in themselves, and um, that'll that'll encourage their confidence even more and build their belief even more. So, uh, you know, tonight was a really good night for us, and we'll enjoy that. And then uh, you know we, we have to then get focused on on the next game. Game plan was Kakuta hat trick tonight. It's what we were hoping for. I mean, we, we kind of joked before it. You're never exactly sure what you're going to get with an 18 year old, but he's unbelievably talented, and he's um, you know someone we're really proud of and, and really glad to have him in our team. And he, he just showed what he can do tonight. And obviously, with young players, you're not always going to get that consistent level of performance, but. You know, we did we did actually talk about it before that if he showed up, then he could make a huge impact on the game, and he did. Is this the biggest win under your helm since you've joined the team? Caps. I think so. I mean, that, I mean that's us scored seven goals in our last two away games, so both the last away games have been very good. But um, that's certainly certainly up there, especially coming to Seattle, which is. You know, it's, it's a great club, and you know we've got a lot of respect for them. So I think uh, getting a win like that was was huge for us. How much does it help the team's confidence going into the last two games? I think it helps us a lot. I mean, I think the first thing is we've, we've still got a good chance, and that's important. Um, and I think the second thing is whenever you you play a game like that, and you you know, and I think on Sunday we played really well too, um, and, and Ricketts came up really big for them. But I think the last couple of games we've played really well, and that gives confidence, and we, we go for it with everything we've got in the next game too. Just talk about Kakuda's development this season. Obviously, people are going to say, you know, boy, why hasn't he played a little bit more? But I, I, I'm sure you're going to say that uh, really? you wanted to bring him along slowly, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he's 18 years old, you know. We're just trying to develop him. And, um, you know, he's, he's had games where he's done well and games where he hasn't done well. But he's he, he's coming along. And he's got unbelievable talent. Um, we just have to nurture it properly. But tonight he was he was fantastic. I must make you happy. Uh, yeah, really happy about the performance and the goal. And uh, I feel like uh, we came in today uh, to get a win and... Uh, we were lucky enough to get it, so it feels great. I always have this feeling every game that I'm going to make an impact, no matter what, how much time I play, if I start or I come from the bench. I'm always looking to make an impact in the game. You, you just didn't look like you were nervous at all. You were just you were calm and cool on all three of those shots. Well, the thing is, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm more nervous in this uh, interview than the game, I will say. But I mean, it's just uh, all. Well, this is the, the games type of games uh, every player want to play on. This is the games we dream to play. If a player playing in, in front of this crowd, it's just uh, amazing. Uh, all you can do is just get excited and play the game. When was the last time you scored a hat trick? Uh, my PDL. I scored a four, I scored four goals in like uh, one of my PDL games. So. If you'd stayed on, you think you would have got another one tonight? I, yeah, I think I think so. I think so. They were really wide open, and uh, I feel like if I stayed on, I would I would have uh, won a couple more. You guys know how snake bit Nigel's been all season. How great was it to see him get one tonight? I mean, too? it's <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't score in a while. Even at practice, this is his first goal I heard and in four years. But I mean, we're all happy and uh, proud of him, and he's been a big part of the team as well. So this is a, it's a huge for him. Perfect shot to the top corner, right? Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, that's the way I envisioned it. 
uh, that's where it ended up. I think it was a great team performance so I think that's the best we've played all season for full 90 minutes. You know, it wasn't about individual say, it wasn't a um, moment of individual brilliance. It was a whole team effort from start to finish and I uh, just wanted to say Kakuta I thought was outstanding. For his age to come into a game like that and score a hat-trick, it's fantastic. Who said, said before this game that uh, last weekend showed that Seattle could be beat? Um, did you still feel it coming into the park tonight that if you guys had something in you like this? I'm a firm believer, no matter who we're playing against, I believe we can win. Every game I play, I believe I can win. Um, you know, it's, it's just my individual mentality. I'm hoping that that's the mentality that everyone in the team should have. Every game you play, you should believe you can win. And like I said, no one saw Seattle losing to Colorado in the nature that they did. And for me, that just gives you hope and it just shows you anything is possible in football. From a young age, I was told of a saying, it's a funny old game. And I still stand by that saying and it's something that I believe in. You know, this isn't over yet. We've still got two massive games to go and we've got to continue in the same vein we've started today. How has the diamond helped you guys? I mean, the midfield looks a lot, has looked a lot better the last two games. What, what is it about that formation that suits you, you think? I'll just say for the team, with the players that we have and the, the individual ability that the players have, it's kind of, it's worked out well for us. It complements our team. You know, Daigo's a number 10. I've always been a big Daigo fan from being there. Technically, he's such a great player. Um, he's one of the best technical players, I think, in the league. And a lot of people just haven't had the opportunity to see that yet consistently. But he can see a pass, he can make a pass, and he's the perfect number 10. He's one of the best ones in the league. And hopefully he'll get a bit more credit um, for his ability. And with the other ability we've got with the likes of Matty, myself, Kofi, Jun, you know, it complements all the players that we have. And that's the best system that suits us, really. So naturally it was a very, very joyous locker room. And the players all were coming out, huge smiles on their faces. They, they really enjoyed that performance. They really enjoyed the match. And we've talked a little bit about David Oustead as having a, a huge game. So let, let's just look at a couple of other individual performances. First one I want to look at, obviously, Kikuta Mani. Now, Martin Rennie was asked after the game, should Mani be playing more? Should he have had more starts this season? And he was he went through the whole thing, as you heard there, about, oh, it's he's 18, we have to bring him on, you don't know what you're going to get with him. But we, we've covered this in the podcast before, we saw it in the Colorado game against Seattle where their two, two draftees, Powers and, and Brown, ran riot. And then Manny ran riot last night. Sanders just seemed to really struggle against guys from the 2013 Super Draft, it would appear. So what did you make of Manny's performance? Obviously, outstanding is one thing you can say. But just on a whole, do you think he should be getting regular minutes? Or have the club done a good job in bringing him on slowly? I think he could have gotten more minutes as a sub earlier in the season. Obviously, with playing the 4-4-2 and playing up top, he doesn't have any, as many defensive responsibilities as he would in a 4-3-3. Uh, so I think I think he should be able to get. He should should have got more minutes in the in previous uh, games. I don't understand why he was taken off sometimes. Like he'd only had three starts up until last night, and you understand why when you've had Miller and and San Vezo playing fantastic all season or for a lot of this season together it's kind of hard to, to get him to come in there but Miller's been injured so much and you've had people like Corey Herzog and Tommy Heinemann starting ahead of him I don't know is that is that the right thing to have done you, you've also got the thing as well that there's been games where he hasn't even been a sub yeah, he hasn't, I, I don't or get hasn't even been on the 18 sometimes too. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been strange. I I'm not sure. I personally uh, feel like if you're good enough, if you're good enough, you're good enough to play. 
It shouldn't well, that, make that a difference was, to what age you are at whatever point. That that was Nigel Rio Coker's comment about him. That in England, the the phrase is, if you're old enough, you're good enough. Then maybe and, Nigel's helping getting Kakuta on the field as well, because you know obviously, he's he's in, he he may might have been responsible for making this change to the four four two as well. It's worked out for them so far. It's something that with with the players that we've got. It's taken Martin Rennie up till, what, three, four games for the end of the season to actually think, you know, the players I've got and the, the system I'm playing, it's not very good, I, I need to change it. And A good coach shouldn't be waiting that long to make the vital change. Well, we talked about it before. like we Our, our first roundtable podcast, I felt like they were always putting people in the wrong positions. It's... Uh, like when we were saying, "Oh, what do they need?" I said they need a if they're gonna play four three three, they need a proper winger, and not throw in somebody that plays maybe a, a a central midfielder at a at a at a wing position or put a winger in a central midfielder yeah. position. Like like for example, we'll go to the next guy that had a really good game yesterday was Daigo Kobayashi. I was just gonna say that. I mean, I've been so critical of Daigo all season, and I've he was and I've great. and I felt that if he was he always gets lost out on the wing, and if he plays a central role, which he should have been, the you know everybody when he was signed said he was gonna be playing in a central role behind either a one striker or two strikers. He would have he would have flourished, and he showed that he could flourish in that position yesterday. Two assists last night. Yeah. And after the game, Manny was saying that him and Daigo are actually quite good friends off the field. They go and they eat out a lot, and they've got that understanding going there. I'm still, I still don't really want to see Daigo here next year. I just don't think he's cut out for MLS. But if he has another two games like we saw in Seattle, maybe, maybe he'll win me round. I don't know because I was impressed with him last night. I, I've ridden him a lot this season, but. He was great in that role, and maybe it is just that Rennie's been wasting him. No, if he plays in the hole like that, and then you bring somebody off the bench for the last, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes to you have a guy that can cover for him, I think you, he could flourish or, you know, alternate and have him, the guy on the bench, coming on late in the game when you're down a goal or something like that, and have somebody else start once in a while. So I think you can alternate there. But based on uh, one thing I want to say about that is about him coming back next year, based on what Rennie has said about Tybert playing more centrally. I think maybe they will move Kobayashi on and have Tybert in that position. That's just, but that we could talk about that down well, the yeah. road. Oh yeah, and it's the salary and stuff as well. Now, I, I'd written the article about Darren Matix, the kind of humorous one, a, a few weeks back, saying that maybe he needs to do something to kind of take some ideas from the old UK comic books by having a special pair of boots or having a magic headband. Do you maybe think it's actually Kobayashi that read that piece and that plaster cast on his arm has somehow got some magical spells it in must it. have, something like that. Special stooky, as we would call it, in, in Scotland. Just to finish off on Manny, do you think the pressure's on him now that folk are going to expect stuff like that every week? Well, I think it's going to be hard to expect that. Um, like, I, I think if... I, I personally think... I know people are saying you don't take him off the starting lineup. I think that if Miller is healthy for the Colorado games, I think Miller plays in that second striker role alongside Camilo and, and Mandy maybe comes off the bench. But at least his three goals gets him in the discussion to get him off the bench if they're down a goal. I, or I just like don't think you can drop him after that. He has to start. But it's ten days later. You don't you're concerned about, you know, does he can he keep this up after ten days? You know, it's it, True. somebody could cool down by then. And we're, we're gonna come to the Colorado game in the in the final segment of the show. Before we we kinda move on to that were there any other players on either side, but mainly Whitecaps we care about, that 
really impressed you last night or you were really surprised and disappointed in last well, night? Well, you had your talk about uh, Diego Kobayashi. I'm going to talk about you and Marcus Davidson. I thought he was fantastic yesterday and exactly the way he was playing when I when I praised him last year, especially at the beginning of the season, when I thought he was like one of the top players on the team. He played like that yesterday. He he moved the ball quickly. He didn't always retreat. He moved the ball forward. And even after he passed it, he made a run, and which which dragged off the uh, the opposing the sounder player with him, caught giving the person he passed to more space. And that's what, exactly what he needs to do. He just can't pass it and stay in his one spot. And then the other player is able to close down on the guy he passed to. So I think he played a really fantastic game. And he, he, he protected the back line, but he also was a little bit aggressive in going forward as well. You don't play 1,877 minutes for a team in MLS without bringing something to the team. And we saw that last night as to exactly what he can bring to the team. He's fifth in the team in minutes. I don't know if folk are aware of that. When you actually look at the the list of players in minutes and what they've played, Rio Coker's top by quite a bit on 2,637. Actually, just behind him is YP Lee. Then you've got Camilo, and then Jordan Harvey is fourth, and June Marcus Davidson is fifth. Yeah, it's it's he he definitely has the ability to do it. It was just that uh, I found that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, and he was just playing it safe too much. But how do you know what he's supposed to be doing? This, That's this true. Is the, you got a point this there. This is what I, no, I no. keep trying to make is no, no, you if got he a point wasn't there. doing what Rennie wanted him to do, Rennie would not keep having him in the team. So when folk are really critical of June's play and being really defensive and not being gung-ho and rushing forward, that's clearly because that's what Rennie has told him to do. No, and I agree with that because last year when when the beginning of the season happened and he first played, I think the first four, five, six games, he, even one of them he got a man of the match and he was playing phenomenal last year and for since last year, up until just a couple games ago, Portland game or a game before that, He's actually played really well, and I th- and I and I and I totally agree with that. That it's obviously coming from somewhere where they've been telling him not to get the ball too forward. They don't want to maybe turn the ball over, so they don't want to take chances. So another big thing about this win is that we are now in top spot for the Cascadia Cup, one of the three pieces of silverware that we you know everybody wanted. Um, I wanted the Mickey Mouse Cup again, but we didn't go back to Florida. The, the number one spot now. There's still one game left in the in, in in the cup. It's basically Seattle visiting Portland. Portland has no chance to win. Seattle had, needs a win. Even a draw won't get them through. But uh, they need a win in order to reclaim the cup. So how do you think that's going to go? I think Portland are going to be so keen to be spoilers that they'll definitely get at least a point out of it. It's going to be a cracking game. It always is between those two teams. And I think I think we're going to win the Cascadia Cup. It's just disappointing that we're not going to be at the game that actually decides what happens with it. Yeah, for for two straight years, the Cup was uh, handed over at BC Place, and now we're there, this year it won't be a, no chance of that happening, obviously, with it being in Gel 1. But maybe we get to see it on the Colorado game, hopefully, if we win it. Well, I think they would, they'll definitely parade it at the game. Yeah, and do you think that... I'm assuming the Timbers are used to saying they're going to play spoiler. They probably smell a lot of blood in the water with the Seattle losing 5-1, to 4-1. So they, yeah. they, they want to lay their own hammering on Seattle, it seems Yeah, like. nothing's going to make... Portland players, fans, front office, everyone connected with the club happier than doing to Seattle what we did to them last night. 
And then at the end of the BC place uh, on that day, they they were saying beat Seattle. So, so you know, o- you know, you know, if they if the players are going off the Timbers Army request, they're going to be want to be want to beat Seattle instead of letting Seattle win the cup. Maybe we should get some of the Timbers Army shouting stuff at the players in Colorado. Yeah, it's going to be closer for us. The only concern I have is uh, somebody's going to have to watch Will Johnson carefully to see if he doesn't throw the game because he obviously hates Vancouver more than Seattle. <laughs> ah, good old Will Johnson. So the playoff race in the West is still far from being decided. Still a lot of games to go, still a lot to play for. And the thing with Vancouver is it's not even in our own hands anymore. If we get two wins, it's not necessarily going to be enough to to get us into those playoff spots. We've got a 10-day break now before we play Colorado, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. And that was something that I asked some of the players last night. So let's hear the thoughts on that of Martin Rennie, David Oustead, Kikuta Mani, and Nigel Rio Coker. Does having this 10 day break now help you in preparation for Colorado or would you rather just get on with it this weekend? Um, I think it's nice to have a little break. I mean, obviously we come up to a big game. They have a break as well, I think, so it doesn't really make too much difference. No, it's nice to have a few days off, uh, enjoy this win a few days and then uh, get back to uh, to training and uh, and then looking at Colorado and, and keeping ourselves focused on what, what's the main purpose here and that's still pushing our way into the playoffs. Well, yeah, definitely. We'll rather be right back at it. But it's good to get a break after, I mean, having these two difficult games, travel games. But I don't think this was a team break. But I don't think any of us are gonna have a take a break. It's just gonna do stuff on your own and uh, get back. Are you happy to have the ten days off, or would you rather just get on with it this weekend? I just think you just gotta keep on getting on with it. You know, even if you've got the ten days off, you just gotta come training and be prepared because we've got two massive games ahead of us. So that ten day break, to me, it kind of sucks a little bit of the momentum out of the Whitecaps. Obviously, they're going to be up for the game because it, it means so much, but would you rather that they played this weekend or do you think it's going to be good to to have that time to prepare for the altitude and, and the different kind of scenarios that they're going to face when, when they do meet Colorado? Well, if they had played this weekend, one thing you got to take into account that they would lose Tybert and Carlisle Mitchell. That is true. And... and then you, then you, who would you put in the bench? There will be almost like you'd have to sign Ben Fist to a contract or two. You know, might not be a bad thing, but uh, you would have to also put Andy O'Brien. And we don't know how good his back is. He's he was on the bench yesterday, but and Colorado themselves, they're also going to be coming off a break, so I mean they're going to have time to prepare. One thing which I find a little bit strange though is the Whitecaps are training all next week in Vancouver, and they're not actually going to head to Colorado until the Friday afternoon, which to me just does not give them much time to get ready for the altitude that they're going to face. I think that's a bad thing. I think they should be there maybe three or four days ahead of time just to get all the players used to that altitude. Now, one thing, when I when I talked to Martin Rennie, it was, uh, it was just before the Colorado game last year, Barry Robson's first game as a Whitecap. Um, I asked him, you know, getting used to the altitude, is it maybe better to get there a little early? I asked, actually asked him that. And he said that he felt it doesn't make a difference too much for players to get used to it. It's better to be in a certain routine leading up to the game, being in their own beds and stuff like that. And, you know, you you kind of ignore the whole altitude thing, kind of trying to keep it out of their minds and just go there and play your game. And so that's that maybe they've always continued that reasoning, with either, whether it's heat or whether it's um, altitude, they always seem to always show up the day before the game. I just think it's strange, especially for, for a big game like this. Now, looking ahead to the playoff race, when, when you look at the standings just now, it's so tight, it's so scary as to, to how 
things could play out. As it stands just now, Colorado are the team that have everything in their own hands. They win the two games against us, they're in the playoffs. LA are on 48 points in fourth place, but they've got an extra game in hand, and you kind of th- I would think that they're safe. Maybe they're not, but I, I would think that they are safe. So to me, Colorado at the moment, they've got it in their hands, two wins against the Caps. San Jose, they're going to be playing LA away and then at home to Dallas. We don't think they're going to get much out of the LA game, but we do think they're maybe going to get something from the Dallas game, probably a win. So that would see them finishing on 50 points. So if they finish on 50 points, the Caps can't get a win and a draw. They still have to get two wins in Colorado. No, I think I think you have to go into this game thinking you need two wins. The one thing is the, the San Jose-LA game. If LA can beat San Jose, and obviously they're hosting them as well, then it's basically... You, you're, you were saying it's in Colorado hands, Colorado's hands. If they beat them, then it's also in Vancouver's hands because Vancouver just needs two wins against Vancouver, uh, Colorado in order to get through. So no matter what scenario we come up with, Vancouver's going to need a lot of help. The number one thing is obviously they need to win both their games, but I, they definitely need San Jose to drop one of theirs too. And obviously the LA game that comes the day after will be the big one. Yeah, so San Jose are going to know exactly what they need to do and if they have to go and get those two wins they'll know if they're in the driving seat by that point and that could also be a little bit worrying for for Vancouver but overall so the one thing you wonder is where did we could finish off with this is where was this beforehand we talked about this the Portland game um in the final 15 minutes but will they be able to come up with this because remember Montreal they they beat them and then RSL it was like a big big shocker big drop there I mean, we've won in Colorado before. And the, the win that we got in Colorado last year on July 4th, I think it was, that, to me, was the actual result that clinched our playoff spot. Because if we hadn't got that win, I don't think we would have had enough points to get in. So we can go there and we win. Colorado are a good team. We're a good team at times. I think the players have got the belief that they can go and do it. I think it's going to be tight. And I do see the game in Colorado finishing as a draw. And I just don't think that's going to be enough for Vancouver. Yeah, but uh, beforehand, before this game, yeah, last night we never thought, imagined that they would go into Seattle. Well, no, there. true, because I'm I'm not the most optimistic person at times this season, as regular listeners will know. I just think it's going to be tough to to go to Colorado, open Colorado, are needing the points and to and to get that that win. I mean, LA do have a bit of a difficult run-in as well, so maybe we can't count them out. They've got to play Montreal, although that is at home. Then they've got San Jose away, and then they finish the season off away to Seattle. So that's tough. Yeah, but I think I think there's no way that LA misses the playoffs, especially with three games to go. They should be able to pick up a, a, at least one of the two game, one of the three games as a win. They'd be very hard pressed to see them lose all three. Now, the, the thing is, though, for all the criticism we've given of the Whitecaps at times this season, they've gone and put themselves in the position where they're at least in the argument, and they're still in the hunt, and there's two games to go, and I think that's fantastic. And the players just have to rise to the occasion, and if they play the kind of game that we saw in the last 15 minutes against Portland, and in Seattle last night, who knows what's going to happen. Definitely. And but <laughs> and then again, you just look at, like you were saying, they're in the hunt right now, but they would be almost done and dusted if they, some of those games you look back on it, and you know you pick up you could pick a part of the games and... Say, oh, the Chivas game, they should have got three points from that. Why'd they drop two there? 
RSL, they should have had three points from there. So there's a lot of games where... But every, I mean, every team can do that. Yeah, every, every team, team can, every do that. Team can right. look at the points yeah. that they could have had. But then there's but, a... Then, then we look at the games like Montreal and Seattle and we don't expect the point, any points from there. So that kind of made up for those. And it, it's going to be a fantastic two weeks. And I just I just wish it was now. I wish it was right this minute and we could have the two games over the next two days and everything was wrapped up nicely. So there's still time and that's all that matters. So that's it for another podcast. I've been your host, Michael McCall. Steve, tell us where we can find you on Twitter. Uh, at Whitecaps Beat and obviously on Canadian Soccer News via AFTN. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can find all our stuff on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca. And if you want to drop us a line about anything, AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. So it's been a fantastic couple of days of Cascadia Cup action where cock-a-hoop, as we've said several times, or at least I am, Steve's no idea what I'm talking about. But the good thing about all this is no matter how things play out in Colorado, however this season ends, as it stands right now, everybody's happy nowadays. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.